Hello, hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Yellow Card and Depain. This episode is all about celebrating the champions of Europe, the Europa League champions and the Champions League winners. What are your thoughts on this week's action? And of course, why I say this week is a celebration, the United fans probably don't agree. What are your thoughts? Yeah, neither the United nor the City fans are agreeing on that. I think Manchester Manchester could have seen two trophies, but they saw none. I mean, it's definitely not a celebration for that City. But uh, yes, Villarreal definitely punching above their weight and Unai Emery winning his fourth Europa League title. Difficult game to analyze actually, as most finals are, because there's, most of these games are not that open. And we saw a very resolute Villarreal holding on to a 1-1 draw eventually. And even the goal that Manchester United did get was technically offside. Bruno Fernandes himself said that he did not get a touch on that. And while the referee ruled that he did get a touch on that to put Cavani online with the defender and set him for the goal. But nevertheless, I think United... I, I could go on to say that United probably deserved to win that. But they did not manage to do that. And that is why they will be really disappointed with the result. Well, my assessment of the game is that it was a fair game. I don't think it was very much definitely a United win. Villarreal played well. It was a good first goal. Uh, Moreno scored, I believe. So, uh, they came back well in the second half, that's for sure. But I still think that they didn't do enough at the end of the day. They should have got that second goal. And the fact that they didn't is literally on them. They got lucky with the first goal. So, they should have really hunted Villarreal down and been able to do it. But again, as far as as far as far Villarreal is concerned and Unai Emery is concerned, it's another Unai Emery masterpiece. And I think he's taken down what Arsenal in the semi-finals, his old club. And now he's gone and taken... Down United and lifted a fourth Europa League trophy. There's something magical about that man and the Europa League. There's this, I, I don't know what it is, but there's definitely a love affair which he has with the Europa League. You can be rest assured that Villarreal are going to come down from the Champions League next season and go back to the Europa League and give him a chance of winning the Europa League again. Having said that, from a Manchester perspective, I think that from a strictly penalty standpoint, while all the 10 players took good penalties, I thought De Gea's penalty was. Poor, really, really poor, number one. And yes, I understand that he's a goalkeeper. But having said that, I also think that he didn't look close to saving one of those 10 and from a, or, or one of those 11 penalties. And from a perspective of the fact that De Gea is one of the best goalkeepers in the world and, and his track record, I was fairly disappointed that he couldn't keep one goal out of the net. Yeah, I think fair enough. I mean, you can't blame him for, you know, not scoring the penalty, being a goalkeeper. You're not, you probably don't practice it that much. You don't expect it before the match for it to ever happen. And it's kind of, okay, you have to take it. You do take it. But then, yeah, letting 11 penalty case go, it really did surprise me. But I don't know if you can actually blame a goalkeeper for not saving penalties. Well, actually... I would agree with you, except for the fact that I didn't like his body language throughout the entire penalty shootout. If you had compared both the goalkeepers, uh, Villarreal's keeper was interested in saving or trying to save uh, the football from the net. Whereas De Gea was more interested in quite simply playing mind games with the penalty takers. He was more interested in, in, in going up to them and talking to them and trying to get into their mind instead of focusing on what 
the basics that you need to do keep the ball out of the goal and if you look at villarreal's uh, keeper he actually tried or almost succeeded on on a number of occasions versus degia it, it wasn't there his focus was more of playing mind games which i just don't get i was disappointed in him throughout that shootout and yes while he's not expected to score because i was disappointed with the way he was saving or not saving those goals or those attempts at goal it it led to even more disappointment with the severe paucity i don't even know sorry that's the wrong word but the, the fact is that it was very very poor it was very very poor that kick so it, he never looked you know i saw one one fan saying that he didn't look like he, he was very interested kind of support that comment i'm not very happy with the gears reaction his attitude throughout that penalty shootout debate well i mean that may be so but we we never know exactly what's happening in the mind of the goalkeeper at that moment or maybe he thought the best way to or the best chance he had to save a goal was through those tactics or is there then a larger problem here with manchester united you we've seen them lose how many four or five semi finals over the last two years and one final now so is there is there a big game problem here I don't think so they've got big match players I think uh, they should have buried it very frankly in the second half they didn't I think they're going to take this chance to strengthen their squad which is good one thing which they have to definitely address is this habit of going down it's just ridiculous in big games you can't always come back and 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 it proved decisive because they didn't manage to actually score two and take the victory and uh, this is something that I think they're going to have to work on as a team because I think they're used to now going one down and then starting to play which just doesn't make sense and so do i think it's a big game problem not as such uh, bruno fernandes has come on in the last year edinson cavani is a proven winner rashford's done well uh, luke shaw after mourinho's left is uh, come on leaps and bounds uh, thank you mr mourinho so i mean uh, it, it, it for me it, it's it's really i don't believe that they actually lack a big game mentality i think that it's a matter of just getting their act together as a team uh, which i didn't see so so and again my my point is when you come and say we don't know what what's going through the mind of a goalkeeper he thought that was his best chance maybe i could think that if i was in the united goal because i don't i'm not one of the best keepers in the world he is probably one of the best keepers in the world you don't need to play mind games why don't you focus on what you're supposed to do best and i know that it's very it may seem like a strong criticism for someone that's been so good but because he's been so good do we criticize him so much because when you see the kind of attitude and body language that he approached that penalty shootout with for me that's just simply not good enough Okay, I I don't know why, but this particular topic is pretty close to your heart right now. So, anyways, we'll I'll leave it at that. We'll move on. Manchester City. Well, there's no Liverpool Chelsea. and there's no Mourinho, so I need something <laughs> to talk about. So, <laughs> anyways, let's move on to the Champions League final. Chelsea are champions of Europe, beating Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. Pep Guardiola struggles to get over the line once again. What's happening there, Chera? Well, is the sky blue? Well, it's not light blue, that's for sure. <laughs> well, uh, a number of things that I think honestly went wrong. First of all, I don't think again he got his starting lineup right. Sterling probably not supposed to be in the starting lineup based on his recent performances. Fernandinho definitely supposed to be in the starting lineup and uh, came on too late. I think he basically put Gundogan in that role, and once 
once Fernandinho actually did come on, it gave Foden better opportunities, which which you need to see because at the end of the day, it's the way that he's structured his team tactically, right? So once Fernandinho came on, literally Foden became a better player. And for, for a person like Guardiola to not see this up front is something that surprises me. Another thing is, I don't know what he has against Aguero. You cannot pick a player. I didn't like the fact that he didn't start him in his last game at the Etihad. And you can cry all you want tears about him being really good and we're going to miss Aguero. If you're going to miss Aguero, considering the guy scored a brace in the last 20 minutes against Everton, you may want to start the man. If you don't start him, maybe you turn it around after 45 minutes. Maybe not after 45 minutes. In 60-something, bring him on. No, we'll bring on Jesus. After that... He's come on in what the 76th minute. How much time do you? I mean, I'm sorry, but he's not a magician. What do you want? You need to bring your star players on at the correct time. Like I said, for starters, he should have he should have definitely gone with Aguero up front, put Sterling on the bench. He didn't do that. So I think that Tuchel outfoxed him yet again for a third time. And that is just sad, Depain, because for a quality uh, manager like Pep, I am highly, highly disappointed. This was. Pep's definite chance. City have been playing some amazing football throughout the season. And I'm not saying that he's not going to get another chance. But I don't think that you and I can, even though we know it's really big, the Champions League final, I don't think to fans we can actually imagine what it go, what, what players and coaches have to go through to get to the pinnacle of, of, of the, uh, that sport and to get there. They're not going to get so many opportunities. So for me, this was his chance and he should have taken it. But flip side, Tuchel picked the correct squad, played the correct tactical game, came out on top, was definitely better. Big shout out to N'Golo Kante. Mason Mount has had a crazy, crazy season. Kai Havertz, oh my God, he's coming on such a high price. He's done nothing this whole season. That one goal makes it all worthwhile. Nobody cares about what price he came in at. Nobody cares what he's done the whole season. He scored the Champions League winning goal. And that says it all. And from Tuchel's point of view, four months, one FA Cup final, into the top four after when he joined, I believe they were ninth, and one Champions League victory. I mean, seriously, if this, and I think he said that he may have a new contract, but if this doesn't own you a new contract, then pretty much nothing will. So kudos to Chelsea and kudos to Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, absolutely. And we spoke about this, about Thomas Tuchel, that he had the chance of, you know, not only securing the top four, but get the sort of the cherry on the cake with uh, either the FA Cup or the Champions League. He didn't manage the FA Cup, but when it came to the Champions League final, there was absolutely no mistake whatsoever from his end. Played absolutely to its strengths. Yes, as you said, N'Golo Kante put in an outstanding, outstanding performance. I think he was all over the pitch. Wherever he was needed, he was right there in the right place. He absolutely nullified Kevin De Bruyne. And he also made some great runs towards the attacking half. And while I think, yes, Kai Havertz, Mason Mount will get a lot of the credit and they got the assist and the goal. But uh, I think Timo Werner's runs, actually, though he never got the goal, Timo Werner's runs were putting so much pressure on that back line or at least on Diaz and Stones that if even if you see the Kai Havertz goal, Ruben Diaz is tracking much farther back to put Kai Havertz on side because he's worried about Werner's runs. He's tracking Werner. Uh, he's staying a couple of extra yards back. That's what plays uh, Kai Havertz on side. And obviously, one-on-one with the goalkeeper goes past him and scores 
he's not done much entire season but that one goal probably <laughs> makes up for everything and uh, just one more question chirag is uh, rudiger to de bruyne what uh, sergio ramos was to mohammed salah not a chance the the, the <laughs> salah the salah uh, tackle was 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 deliberate was much more on point took him completely out of the game and uh, minimized liverpool's chances that was all ramos for you here not so much <laughs> but uh, yeah really tough break for kevin de bruyne as well i think he suffered quite badly is a broken nose and a fracture on some related parts i'm not really sure which one but he set to miss uh, even the first few games of the year isn't it absolutely it's just heartbreaking yeah, i believe it's a broken nose and i think something to do with the uh, eye socket if i'm not wrong something around that area it's a bulge i i don't know the exact name of it but uh, yeah he's he's unfortunately now set to me, uh, miss the first few euro games and actually considering the extent of the injury you never know how how much of the euros he'll end up missing so belgium are definitely going to miss him though considering that they do have a relatively strong team if they do make it to the latter stages of the tournament hopefully de bruyne can then play a part i was kind of actually hoping that de bruyne you know manchester city would win this having the season that they have had they would win this and kevin de bruyne would be an essential part of you know that victory and then he would lead belgium to say deep into the euros or probably even a euro victory because they are one of the favorites along with a few others and that could mean kevin de bruyne would be the front runner for the ballon d'or but now it looks like engolo kanté might take that absolutely and, and if you look at engolo kanté's performances he's won the world cup with france but if you look at his more recent performances i think he's been man of the match in both the legs of uh, bo- bo- both the legs of the semi final against uh, real i think it was and he's the man of the match in the final in the champions league so uh, this man is someone to watch out for he's really really well respected amongst his teammates and he's really pulling more than double his weight i i dare say for chelsea because what a find and i believe it was lester that found him but then he, he went to lester uh, to chelsea in one season and and the, and the rest has been history in the last 5 6 years because he's come on leaps and bounds the pain absolutely absolutely agree let's let's move on now chirag to the manager's musical chairs that is about to commence who's going where is pochettino coming back to Tottenham Hotspurs what do you think well i'm i'm very surprised by this now rumor has it he's actually asked psg that to leave even though he was in the middle of planning the next season with psg this surprises me because yes while he had a good relationship with daniel levy please remember it was levy that sacked him i have nothing against going back to their old your old club provided you are well respected over there levy sacked him that was the first thing he did rather unceremoniously i may add the second thing that happened is I believe at least that Pochettino has been asking for funds for a long long time. What Levy did was not only sack him, he brought in Mourinho and he said Mourinho, I have very deep pockets, take some money from me. And then Mourinho went on to spend that money rather unsuccessfully over the season with the most unattractive football you can find. Now we're back to square one and Daniel Levy wants Pochettino back. So I don't know whether I see Pochettino going back although I do believe now based on rumors have read in various papers uh, and various you know websites that he does seem to want to go back so it's going to be interesting but having said that uh, conte is also very much up for that job because he's gone out and away from inter milan because they want to implement some cost cutting measures and sell their good players 
So there's a clear disagreement over there. So Conte is available. Zidane's walked away from Madrid because Madrid doesn't trust Zidane. And I'm not saying that he's going to go to Spurs, but uh, you never know. The world is a very funny place. So it, it's really going to be very, very interesting because this is all just for, I'm talking about the Spurs vacancy. If Poch comes, who's going to go to PSG? Remember, Madrid ever have an open position and I believe they want Ancelotti, Conte, maybe an option. They also want the Poch. I, it's 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 just there's this crazy things going on in my head because there's so many permutations and combinations, and honestly, it's anyone's best guess. But if you want the truth, I do actually think that the Poch may be back at Spurs. So you have a team you're doing well with, and then you get sacked from that team. Now you go away for a year or a year and a half, whatever, and you come back, and the star player of that team will not be probably in that team anymore. Do you still want to come back to that team? Well, I don't know if I would. But like I said, based on rumours and the things I've read, he seems to want to come back. Uh, There's nothing wrong in wanting to come back to a place where you're loved so much at the end of the day. You have to remember that from an egoistic perspective, I would say no. But I'm also a big believer of... uh, emotions and I'm a people person. So I do believe that it may not be a bad decision at the end of the day for him to come back as long as Levy, two things, realizes that he's made a mistake and gives Poch the funds. I don't see them stopping Kane irrespective. It is time for Kane to go. That man wants to go win trophies. And if I were in Levy's place and I know that he likes making life difficult for everybody, but if I was in Levy's place, I would let him go because Kane has been one of the longest serving servants of the Spurs football club and has given a lot. So if he wants to go, Daniel Levy, let him go, please. And yeah, then you can, you can I mean, rumor has it that they may actually be Sterling and, and Jesus offered in place of Kane, that's a big statement. That's not too. That's not too shabby players, you know, by any means. So they can definitely start rebuilding. Jesus can actually build something of his own where he's not in the shadow of Aguero or another star. Because it looks like if if Jesus even stays at City, he's gonna have to contend with the likes of Harry Kane or Haaland, and and Jesus would still be the second striker. Not to mention sometimes they still don't play with a striker, but whatever. Yeah, I was just about to say that half the season they did. They did, played with no striker, so or no number nine. So that that'll be interesting, though. Harry came to Manchester City and Sterling and Jesus to Tottenham Hotspur. It will still be a, I mean, still be a tough task for Pochettino to you know turn the Spurs side around because Harry Kane has been so instrumental that I don't. I mean, the whole team is probably centered around him right now, so it'll probably be a lot of reshuffling. And yeah, that's why I said initially also when we opened the topic, I said the managerial musical chairs because we still have a vacancy at Real Madrid. Uh, in, in term, uh, I mean, Antonio Conte is moving on. So he has to find a place. Carlo Ancelotti probably go somewhere. If Real Madrid really want him, he'll probably end up there. So a lot of things that could happen. Also, let's catch up on some of the transfer rumors. Depend, I'm going to interrupt what you just said. Because my iWatch has just led to some breaking news on ESPN. Apparently, Ancelotti has just made a shock return to Real Madrid after leaving Everton. <laughs> you just said it, Dipain. You just said it. I don't believe this. I mean, I mean, guys, you guys can't see this. We are obviously we're recording on Zoom, so you can't see this. But my watch has just said this. It's amazing. 
Dipping the words out of your mouth and the breaking news from ESPN. Ancelotti makes his shock move. It can't get any better than that in terms of listening to it live. Unfortunately, I mean, bear with us. It's probably going to get be a day or two before we get this out. But guys, this yeah. happened while we were on this podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> That's what generally happens, right? If Real Madrid really wants someone, it probably is going to happen. So now. Now we have another opening in terms of so Carlo Ancelotti has just like spent a year and a half creating, curating players, creating a team, and b- trying to build that team. And now someone else will have to come and take over and rebuild from there. So that's definitely not good news for uh, Everton. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! <laughs> I I am still in shock as we talk uh, because <laughs> he's gone back to Real. I was I was actually thinking about it maybe an hour ago, thinking that. He's probably not going to win stuff at Everton. If Real want him, maybe he should go. And you're talking about one of the most decorated managers in football history. He's won probably everything there is to win. And uh, honestly, Real need him right now. I, I do strongly believe that they need someone like Ancelotti because if Ancelotti was not their coach, I don't believe they would have had a chance of winning the La Liga next season. Now that you know that Ancelotti is going back to Madrid, I do think they're back in contention. Having said that, and I'm sorry I interrupted you. I have no idea what you want to say, but and and I don't think you have an idea because I just jumped on it. But <laughs> let's talk about your beloved Barcelona because we've just finished talking about Madrid. Okay, I want to know your thoughts because what's happened is Aguero's gone on a free transfer. Remember, your Barca doesn't have any money anymore. Aguero's gone on a free transfer. Eric Garcia's gone on a free transfer. Two really, really good players. One. 30-year-old who's really in scintillating form and one youngster who is literally going to be the future of Barca and amazing, amazing players. And obviously, you're going to take my Van Alden. Eventually, that's going to happen. Rumours are that Barca has not been allowed into the uh, Netherlands camp at Euros to take that medical, which is why it's on hold for for, for, for right now, although those are strictly just rumours. But he's probably going to go to uh, Barcelona and it looks like it's going to be a real team to contend with. I mean, unless Ancelotti actually ends up bringing in people at Real Madrid, which obviously could happen. I would, at this moment, favour Barcelona for the, the next season's La Liga title. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think definitely there are there are three or four signings. Or if, see, Firstly, Messi is renewing the contract. So that is obviously one of the biggest steps in terms of stability for at least the next two years, you know you have one player who's done it all, who can do, turn matches around at any point. That That is your bedrock right there. Lionel Messi, next two years, done and dusted. Sergio Aguero comes in. Sergio Aguero comes in. We know he has a good relationship with Messi. so And that is going to work well. He's shown glimpses of form. So as long as he's not injured, he will be a definite plus to that attacking side. And... Wijnaldum, as you said, will probably come in as well into the midfield, into that probably holding midfield to the transition from the hold to the attack. So that is one place that also needed to needed some solidification. And Eric Garcia comes in, which look which is looking at the future of the defense with PK obviously coming of age recently, and they are also looking at a couple of other defenders which they might get in. So that that is definitely there. There is a lot of lot of injunction of fresh talent that needed to happen, which is happening. And this is happening despite them not having money. So, which is also a very big deal. So, probably not having money has finally made Barcelona prudent and sensible. 
what was happening over the last three or four years was absolutely just throwing money, getting a player without any thought or plan with what is going to happen. You can see that with uh, Usman Dembele or Coutinho or Griezmann. When the signings were made, you didn't think they would fit in. You thought, okay, maybe they have a plan. But as it turned out, they probably didn't. This looks, These look like signings which still go along a set pattern or where you can see the clear thinking behind it. So I definitely am feeling very positive about Barcelona overall and going into the season next season. Oh, I, I agree. I think I'm going to watch La Liga strictly for Aguero and Messi. And and like you said, Messi's got a two-year contract. I believe Aguero also has signed a two-year contract until the end of the 22-23 season. So uh, that pair is going to work in tandem and it's going to be amazing, amazing to watch. I, I really... I want to watch this tomorrow morning. I can't wait. And obviously, I mean, uh, 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 Argentina is not part of the Euros, but I believe they're actually going to play the, the Copa America. So, uh, that actually would happen in 10 days. So, uh, interesting times, uh, of course, if you're a Barca fan. So, they pain any doubt about Barca winning the La Liga next year? No doubt at all. <laughs> I'm on your side on this one. I'm on your side on this one. Gerard, first time in eight years that Barca did not finish in the top two of the last La Liga. Well, they dug their own grave. They they they, they <laughs> asked Suarez to leave. <laughs> Definitely sure that they feel that that was a mistake. Now, can you imagine uh, Messi, Suarez, and Aguero? And you can afford it because he left. He came on a free Aguero, so you would have been able to. You would have been able to pull it off. Just imagine that strike force. I mean, I don't know what what we're just going crazy everywhere. Uh, let's see. Let's see how it shapes up for next season. But yeah, definitely some great, great positive signs for Barcelona after a after a while. I think. <laughs> well, uh, from my perspective, I think not too much more to add, but just a couple of more rumors, gossip, however you want to put it. And and feel free to take your pick f- to talk about it. Firstly, Chelsea, maybe Lukaku or Haaland. They are planning to spend big yet again. Abramovich after the Champions League clearly wants to make money available, unlike some people across London who just want to give it to Mourinho and then sack him as well. So, Daniel Levy, yes, that's an attack at you. Then, United, they're going to go after Kane as well. Sancho may come in as well. Any thoughts on that? Do you think they're going to get Sancho finally? And Liverpool have made, actually, this is confirmed news, Liverpool have actually got Ibrahim Okonote in the heart of their central defence to partner up with the one Vigil Van Dijk. So, I would say, take your pick and shoot. Yeah, so, let's start with the one that is done already. So, Ibrahim Okonote coming to Liverpool to partner Van Dijk is definitely a great move for Liverpool. They needed another presence there. And obviously, what happened last season, the kind of injuries will not happen again. But in case you still have an injury or two, you, you will have that depth to counter that. So that's definitely a good positive for you and Liverpool. Chelsea for Lukaku and or Haaland. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure they do want someone in that position. Werner hasn't given the kind of goals that they would have liked. Tammy Abraham or Hudson Odoi or Oliver Giroud are not really... You can't call them premiership winning strikers. That is somewhere they would really want, but... I think if they do go for Haaland, that would that would really work well for them. I am really not sold on Lukaku coming back because he's shown a tendency of you know going missing in the big games for United, for uh, Belgium, for yeah every team that he has played for. So I kind of have my reservations on Lukaku, but I definitely think 
that if they do get Haaland and they could because City is probably focused on Kane right now. If City has a preference of Kane and then Chelsea can swoop in for Haaland. This would prepare the Chelsea team because for the next a decade or so. Because they have only in that front three or that attacking attacking side, they would have a lot of 21-22 year olds, 20-22 year olds, which would mean that if they can start doing well and go on, they could probably dominate a decade of uh, English football. That's true. Although, in my mind, I agree with everything you said, except that I think in reality, they'll probably land Lukaku and not Haaland. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I don't mind, actually. I don't. I, I rather see uh, City or Arsenal win rather than Chelsea. So, I'm okay. <laughs> Yeah, Arsenal are not going to buy anyone of this caliber. Don't worry. So, they're actually rumoured in chase of uh, Raheem Sterling. Which is bad news for Raheem Sterling. You never know. It could be bad news for Arsenal as well. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so what else is left? So, yeah, uh, United and Sancho. Well, United and Sancho, we've been discussing for what? I think three previous uh, transfer windows. So, we'll never know till it happens. We'll just wait for it to happen rather than speculate about that. Absolutely. I, I, I do see it happening this season though. So, it's going to be interesting. I think, Dipin, that about rounds up all the gossip we had this this episode. And, 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 I, and I think it was just amazing the fact that, that, that Ancelotti was confirmed right now as the Real Madrid manager. So, uh, something to really uh, shout home about if if you're a Madrid fan. Thank you all for listening. That's it this week. We will be back next week where we will focus our attention on the Euros and discuss our favourites for the Euro 2021. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Take care. Good night. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.